everybody, and welcome to the Medevac Podcast. I'm your host for today, Christian Myers, joined by our co-host today, David Reed. Hello, everyone. I guess we're both kind of co-hosts, huh? I think we're both hosts. Oh. No, clearly... He's the host. It's, guess, the it's not time, to you it's yet. Not time for guests to speak you. yet, Derek. <laughs> Derek! <laughs> now people know you're here. Who do we have on the show today? A couple of officers on that side of the table and a couple of actual you know, workers to on this side expected. of the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> guests today. So we've got a couple of guests divide. back. Yeah, there's a Revisits today. Yeah. We have Scott Farber, doctor, MD, plastic Dr. surgeon. Scott. Dr. Scott. No longer in the military now. Correct. Fully yeah. retired. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to the side. Retired. No, yeah. Didn't do 20 years, but Full, yes. Fully out, out now. Yes. Yeah. And we've got Derek Carver returning, 82nd Airborne. I think everybody knows who this knucklehead is. All the way. All the way. Feet and knee in Here, the we're, breeze. We're but, in for one hell of a show if we got two of these guys back yeah, on the show. So we've been getting some requests to uh, dive in a little bit deeper onto living with an osteointegration, what the surgeries are kind of like, and that's why we've got these two uh, awesome, awesome dudes right over here. So welcome. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's so. going to be an interesting conversation today because I, I think we really have the perspective of you know going over what it's like to go into surgery as an amputee and then we have the surgeon who could kind of give us a little bit more insight to what those procedures look like. So we're excited today to finally answer some questions. Absolutely. So welcome. Yeah. And we count, we have off, huh? an amputee. <laughs> we have two different kinds of amputees as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Well, we have a real we amputee and then... As a, as a, a recap, yeah. we're gonna need we're gonna yeah. need one of those talking sticks. Yeah. 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 I mean, here I'm talking first, yeah. and then who's next? Let's just kick this off with um, you know. First of all, we we left off on OI last time, right? right. Osteo integration, correct? So yeah. this guy over here has an OI number twenty six. Number 26. Yeah. We're all assigned <laughs> and, numbers. And I want to kind of like, I want to pick apart what it's like to have that procedure. You know, what are the kind of questions the amputees are asking? You know, it's got to be quite fearful because right. you're digging right into the bone and putting a bar right on it, right? Yeah. Is that the medical terminology for it? That's exactly how I explain That's it. exactly <laughs> correct. I've yeah. seen them do a knee there's more, surgery. There's more technical terms, but sure, yes. <laughs> yeah. In a nutshell, Don't undermine me, Scott. <laughs> we yes. all know you're a doctor. It's all good. <laughs> I don't know how to doctor speak. That's it. <laughs> yes, you do. So, it looks like a jackhammer on your femur. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. So, well, why don't we hear from you what <laughs> yeah, an L.I. Is well, how about he explains it, and then I talk about what it feels you don't want to like. Okay. It. Yeah. No, I mean I can explain it. I mean in very broish terms, like the way I explain it, and then we can listen to him explain it. That's actually <laughs> probably a good look. <laughs> so osteointegration, being an amputee, I, meaning I have you know I'm missing uh, from most of my femur and down. What they did is they basically opened up my nub. <laughs> they hollowed out the remaining portion Stump. of the femur. If you're a doctor, I, I believe the term is residual limb. Residual yeah. limb. Nub also works. Yeah. I mean, I, look, stump sounds like stump sounds derogatory. Like that's like, oh, they have stumped. Like, we could yeah. on what did you just say about my stump? Stump. That, that is true. That's that's what you call me? That is true. Yeah, no. Nub. It does. Nub is. I don't like. I've always called. I, I used to get offended in the hospital when doctors would call it a stump. Mm. Like nub. 
I get. It's like, cringy a little bit. Yeah, residual limb is a medical term. Nub is what, like, you know, bros call it. Like, stump is what, like, Stumps fucking in- someone walks up and says something all pretentious and shit. Like, yeah. can I touch your stump? What's up, <laughs> Stumpy? Yeah. yeah, that's true. What's that's true. up, Stumpy? Can I touch your stump? <laughs> you know, I had a guy walk up to me at the gym before, and he said, what's up, peg leg? Really? And I, that triggered me. Hey, douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I know you? Oh, I've had a trainer walk up and say, hey, bro, like, uh, you know, if you want me to train you a few sessions, I could strengthen you up and you could probably walk with a better gait. <laughs> and I was like, cool, man. I'm just a world champion, strongman, weightlifter. <laughs> Strongest amputee in the world. I'll make sure I stop by the desk on my way out of the lifetime fitness and extend some training memberships to you. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's, there's always people out there like that and just, you're always going to run into that. Yeah, but. no no respect. Yeah. So let's hear what the doctor has to say because he just, I think you got confused and went on. Okay, so I got it. Fully triggered by stump. Fully triggered. Okay, so they open up the they open up the nub, they hollow out the femur, and then it's like a titanium alloy or some kind of... Alloy. <laughs> It sounds cool. I watched Wolverine. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, the whole, that the whole like, week up to the surgery, yeah. I was like, I'm Wolverine. <laughs> Gen 1. Gen 1 Wolverine. I'll take that. You should start using that. But they, So they insert the metal that. rod into it, and basically they close it. Or, uh, yeah, they close it, and then you wait 90 days, and then they open it back up, and they expose the end of the metal piece, and then... Kind of, it's not suture, but it's kind of like graft the skin around the metal piece that uh, basically clips into the leg side. Okay, so you and got- it's an extended, and it's always out, and that's and then it's like a year and a half to learn how to walk again. So, do you yeah. have like one of those buttons that you push on the side, like on crutches, and just pop it, it right on? It, it twists <laughs> on and twists off. Okay, so like, Does it really? yeah, yeah, so I mean. If you're like, on YouTube right now, yeah, that's you, fine. I don't give a shit. You're YouTube. So this is like the way it works, and the the mail piece slides in right here, and then this just twists open and twists close. Okay. So it, it, it and it connects to to just basically a metal piece sticking out. Okay. And then nice. you get some nub. That's that's you're welcome. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, that should, can we put a PG thirteen? You're gonna have all, to subscribe for his OnlyFans to get more than that. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of other attachments can we put on this bad boy? Yeah. Oh, show us a little bit here. (laughs) That's a pretty good gate. I don't know what that guy's talking about. So while uh, while he's uh, making adjustments. Yeah, while he's making adjustments. Let's let's talk about uh, um, uh, amputees and and, uh, prosthetics. So uh, Dave here has the traditional one, kind of a sleeve that that goes over the residual limb. Right, and there's a, a lot of suction or a vacuum system. Yeah, and there's a lot vacuum. of issues with that, as you know. The uh, main ones being um, stump size changes or residual limb size changes. Right, so it either can swell up, get bigger, and then you have to get make adjustments on the actual prosthesis itself, mm-hmm. so it fits right, so you walk right. Then there's you're putting pressure into the into the prosthesis, which you can have erosion of the soft tissue skin over top of the, uh, of the of your bone and mm-hmm. cause openings that need surgery down the road. It can cause infections, that sort of thing. So that's a recurring problem for 
basically every amputee, especially lower extremity amputees, mm-hmm. they can get these recurrent ulcers and ulcerations, openings of the soft tissue, which they have, to, which has to be addressed, whether it's local wound care or surgery to fix it up. Yeah. That's a major problem. Um, and then adjusting for uh, stem size as well. Another thing is an aroma, phantom pain. Everybody knows about phantom pain. So mm-hmm. when you have an amputation, those nerves get cut, whether it's traumatic amputation from a blast or from a surgical amputation, those nerves get cut. Mm-hmm. When the nerves have nowhere to regenerate to, they kind of just all make a ball, a mess ball. It's called an aroma. It's basically, you know, it's like a b- benign ball of nerve endings that just uh, fire. I've had one of those yeah. and it's extremely painful. Yeah, mm. and they just fire randomly. And if you touch it, it sends, sends electric shocks up. I mean, it's, it could be very painful and very yeah. debilitating to patients. That's a major problem with, with, um, with amputees. There are ways now to fix that. Mm-hmm. If you have it, you can, it can be fixed. And there are ways to prevent it on the front end so it doesn't happen. So okay. we can talk about that later. But those are major problems with, with amputees like yourself as opposed to osteointegrated amputees. Um, now, osteointegration has been around for a long time uh, in other ways, not just limbs. So uh, the first osteointegration was, it, it was discovered in 1950s by, by a researcher. He was like doing stuff on rabbits and he, and he had some titanium uh, rod he put in a rabbit's femur and discovered that when the experiment was over and they went to sacrifice the rabbits or kill the rabbits, they could not remove the titanium rod because it had integrated itself into the femur of the rabbit. So they're like, oh, this is interesting. wonder what kind of testing they were doing. Yeah, yeah it's just a little bit different in the 50s. Now, drilling but, shit into animals in the 50s. Yeah. But they realized that. Yeah. Cool. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. I know that. And then in my world, you were the guinea pig. Bunny rabbits to people, real quick. Real fast. It's only like 40 years. And then in my world, they in the craniofacial world, there's dental implants for teeth and then for jaw implants and jaw joints. Those are all titanium, porous titanium implants that your bone grows into. So that's been used for a long time. And then Extremity osteointegrated uh, implants have come around since like about the mid '90s or so, mm-hmm. and have obviously really taken off since GWAT, and there was a need for it. So yeah, yeah the wars will do that. Yeah, wars will do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's amazing how quickly they'll find a hundred million dollars funding to yeah. fix dudes up. Well, you yeah. can't complain. And then quit how quickly it runs out. Yeah. And yeah. At least it wasn't left. the diabetes, right? That, right, the diabetes foot, which so, is like ninety yeah. percent of them. I, so I do yeah. have one thing to yeah. uh, to ask you. You you taught me this a couple of weeks ago. Actually, we were talking about uh, facial prosthesis, like mm-hmm. when you have a nose prosthesis. I was always curious as to how those were attached to the face. And I didn't realize that they would drill magnets in yeah. osteointegration with magnets. Yeah, or little snaps. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 Well, like part of what he was going through with the OI piece is, is when you're, when you're, when you're talking about the progression of it and, and I had a thought today is not my day. <laughs> <laughs> I had it too. Um, we'll come now back you to just you. look like a crazy person. No, it's fine. I'm just gonna have him. I just shot a dog, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a morning. I haven't made it very far past the 50s now. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it, it kills me. Like, uh, what's the infection rate like for? Because you, because you did say, like, there, there, it's it's new in the U.S. Like, we just started doing this in the last like five years tops. I, yeah. I had mine in 2000. 19 and I was number 23 and not 26. So yeah. it, it's just the, you know, and then at that time I had talked to two guys that I'd known that gone through it and everything I read back in 2010 when I was first blown up on OI was 100% infection rate, yeah. especially osteomyelitis. Yep. And it's just like, you're, if you do this, you're going to get it. And now with their, 
knock on you know wood or whatever yeah. there's been <laughs> no <laughs> there's been no infections in the u.s clinical study for the oi in the u.s that have gone through the walter reed program yeah that's correct there so, was like one in utah but it was a va based program right. not the federal hmm. walter yeah. reed program yeah we talked about that i mean because you know osseo integration as jarek was talking about was basically drilling in a titanium rod into your femur, your tibia, your humerus. It could be used for upper extremity too. Hmm. Um, so, and there are people who have those. It's in your bone. It's, it sits in your bone. Your bone actually grows into the implant, hence integration. Okay. The, the, the surface of the implant is porous. Mm-hmm. It's titanium, but porous surface that sits inside your bone. So your bone actually remodels into the implant. And you can feel it. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. We touch about that in a second. So yeah, so it it basically becomes a part. Literally of fuses, fuses yeah. into yeah. it, and that's the shape of it. Plus the integration is is how it doesn't slip out. Now it can slip out. There, are, you know, the bone can remodel and it can pop out. You can actually break the metal rod inside your femur. Correct. Don't you do that? Yeah, yeah. I did. you know yeah, this. Yeah. Study. Yeah. You know this by uh, first hand. First account, right? Take a misstep, and it's just the weight limits on it. Yeah. And everything's a trial, so yeah, they, you, they, you, they they have an idea, but they don't actually know. Can you walk through that? Can you? No. Oh, so I did by accident, but yeah. I was like bleeding out of the bottom of my nub, and and it was painful. Yeah. And it's every step was like a. Sh- 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 it broke in two places, so it's like shredding against like the inside of my femur. And Jesus, I don't know if you can feel bones, but you could definitely feel it. Like, well, yeah, when I mean, you break a bone, you feel it. Yeah, bones I don't know if you feel the yeah. nerves around it or the yeah. bone in it, but like, yeah. I, I, you can feel the scraping. You yeah. can feel when it moves. Yeah. And you just continued to walk on it, or no? I immediately went to the hospital and got two grams of gelato and <laughs> floated through it until they did X-rays seven days later and told me it was broken. Sounds about right. Because they didn't Jesus. think it was possible. Like, you're dealing with titanium yeah. and, like, and it just, like, yeah, oh, you only weighed 210 pounds. Like, you just stepped hard. It does, you probably just jogged it loose. Yeah. And turns out it was a clean break. It's yep. amazing that, you know, they use titanium on aircraft and that's why they, yeah. it's a strong light metal. Mm-hmm. So they figured that it would work well in humans. But same thing on legs and even jaw. Like, when I reconstruct jaws, there are thick plates that we do to, to plate jaws together. Patients will break them. It'll be like just by they don't just, tell you just that by when normal chewing. Fine print. Yeah, just yeah. by normal chewing motions or even walking. You know, the, you put stresses, shearing and uh, torsion stresses on it. it, it stresses on it, it's gonna break. Yeah, it may not not guaranteed, but it does. It's not it's not foolproof for sure. Yeah, you it's know, rather titanium rip. is strong. It's the best one, best material out there. Now there's other um, alloys that they add into it too that make it even stronger now, but. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not 100% foolproof, for yeah, sure. I figured yeah. composites would be kind of the way of the future. With right. 3D printing technology now, you can kind of map somebody's face, let the computer print it out. That's exactly what they do now. Well, yeah. When are we just going to start regenerating limbs, like from like Starship Trooper style? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like, there we go. Just, element? Yeah, yeah like, yeah. because they're not going to be able to do... I don't think under... And, like, again, I'm not... I just don't think the money or the science is there to realistically do leg transplants. Well, I don't think it's feasible. It's well, not, this came up last. We time, talked about right? this last time, so it's exactly right. So, um, you know, if you have a high AK, even a BK, no, yeah, um, BK, anything, yeah. So, in order for your leg, in order for it to be a functional leg, you have to have nerve. The nerves regrow into it, right? Mm-hmm. The longer it takes a nerve, a nerve grows about a centimeter, centimeter a month. month. The longer it takes to grow, there's a, there's a finite time that it can grow. I know Brandon. We're buddies yeah. before and after his arm transplant. So he's still, I, I'm super familiar with, yeah. I just don't think it's yeah. possible. So it's it's to such lower. a long distance in the light to grow mm-hmm. that by that time the muscle's atrophying and it's never, there's a point of no return where those What about the nerves grow. though? I like, okay, so like the, the, the nerve endings grow in on your own, but like how do you, it doesn't relay and connect to the 
the, the transplant leg the way it did your natural leg. So, so like, you hook up the main nerve. So like, like, let's say you have a sciatic nerve in your leg. So the, the transplanted leg sciatic nerve is still going to that original muscles. So then you just hook up the, don- the recipient sciatic nerve to the donor sciatic nerve. And then those nerve endings will go through and then make their way to the muscles. Brandon's hands don't work like his old hands. They probably never will. So about 60%. So then if I got a leg back, it would be a drop leg anyway. It would more more like the the upper extremity is more functional because it's shorter distance to go. The leg, if you did a leg transplant, now they have... Plus they're like individualized, right? What about BK? You know, below the knee, yeah. less dif- but distance, or just a foot so transplant. BKs like a are, BKs aren't real. Yeah, so, so he's, he's hitting on this. He's hitting Running on this. Out so, of content. You know, don't it's forget. not worth the trade off of what they're doing. When, when you get a transplant, yeah, when you get a transplant, you're immune suppression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, <laughs> No, I don't know. Normally it's just me that I'm like, all right, let me me give you some science, right? Yeah, here we go, here we go. So immunosuppression with the transplant, right? There's a lot of risk to that. There's cancer, there's infection. Um, For BK, prosthesis is so good now, it's not even worth it. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, you can Quality of life. They're actually cutting dudes' legs. They're cutting dudes' legs off. Did that have some minor problems or like calcaneus fractures and things that are just super painful but don't impact their ability to do anything, mm. they'd rather just cut it off and make them an ideal BK because there's a sweet spot on the tip, tip fib that makes you nice and you can run and you can walk. Yeah, yeah the uh, limb salvage. That's limb a salvage. That's a good option Yeah, now. so there's a, yeah. that's a, there's a, been a lot of studies in the last 50 years about that. They used, well, limb, limb salvage back in 2010 was super sexy and dudes did it. I yeah. met a guy that was a BK limb salvage for 14 years. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. my God. You yes. wasted 14 years yep. afraid to cut your foot off right um, like why right like, wh- okay why don't more doctors and this is off topic it's not oi but it's oi related why don't more doctors tell people cut your foot off it like even if it's drop foot or they even if it's a to. dead nerve this ending. is a, this is going to be a uh, or they're missing a big toe this is a, a, a something i have to tiptoe softly around I, I agree with you okay i agree with you there's there there are different schools of thought in medicine and one is not more right than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think that, you know, because we can do the surgery, we should do the surgery. And some people think that why torture a patient for 14 years when they can go back and go back to functioning if they have a you know, BKA prosthetic. Yeah. Right. So there are two strains of two, two schools of thought on that. Have you ever met an amputee? And again, you're, you're like a myoplast, another. Sorry. Yeah. But, I, I, but yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. yeah like, this, yeah. but I mean, like, because I'm talking about lower guys. Yeah. Like, why don't more guys just or mm, never mind? I had it again and it's gone. <laughs> you talking about patients? Like why are more yeah. why are more guys why do why people don't want to save their limbs? Yeah, versus, why are they so why why are more why are guys so attached to the idea? Is it well because it's the limbs attached to them? Okay, so it's just they just can't fathom the idea of it's, not having their leg. It's hard, you know. It's hard. It's hard. I guess it's hard for you. I mean, I mean, you went through it. You went through it. But it's, you know, someone who. Yeah, mental Obviously, barrier. didn't go through. It's hard for you to to let go of something that's part Listen, of you. Listen, I ain't volunteering my other leg ever again. <laughs> no, but like yeah. if I was ever in a situation where like my Venus, my Venus return was so poorly in my leg it was impacting my life in a negative way, they're like, "Hey, man, you're a quality of life." I would call every double BK, AK I know, and be like, "Hey, bro, like if they cut my knee off to save blood flow, like what's my life going to be like?" In the beginning, how yes. many BKs, AKs did you know? Yeah, you know what I no, mean. No, that's it's fair. Scary. It's to different you day though, man. I'm not going to pretend like it's 2010 and you know. There's there's two thousand of us ish like just eighteen hundred and some change and then there's a bunch like I didn't realize how many amputees just exist in the world there's one hundred eighty five thousand new amputees a year yeah and wow. that's like for, for just lowers right. that's not even uppers so yeah. it's just we're not special but and just you know these aren't conversations being had think yeah, back think back uh, it may not necessarily apply to you but think back you know to to like when someone 
gets injured and it, you know, their leg is still attached. It doesn't look as bad. It may not, it may be okay. They don't know, you know, the, doc, the doctors have to wait a little time, do some debridements, washouts, make sure they're, you know, see what's still viable, what still works. Are their nerves still working? Are their muscles still working? Is their bone still there? They don't know. So then they're typically, you know, with bad injuries, it's, you know, chop it off right away. But these amputations may come later on. And there's a hope you know. factor, Will right? there ever be yeah, a point where a doctor factor. says, hey, bro, like, we're just taking it off. You don't have a choice anymore. Oh, there are definitely situations like that, for like, sure. It, during a salvage, like, if, if you're, like, year five into a BK salvage. Yeah. They're dealing I, with I, diabetes patients all the time. Yeah. You, you don't get a choice. Sorry, your foot's gone. And or they you're do. Dying, if there's right? a chance. I know that, but yeah. I'm talking about in a salvage situation yeah. where the doctor's like, hey, man, you're just wasting your time. Yeah, so I think what you're saying well, is well, that I've had those conversations with the patients. Okay. And those conversations do happen. I know it happens because I have friends who do the same thing. And they, those conversations happen. Patients, it, sometimes, every patient is different. Everybody's different. Sometimes take, you know, they take three months. It takes three years to really get comfortable with the idea that I'm going to lose this leg. Maybe I just have the benefit of waking up and hugging my leg. Yeah. You didn't really have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing didn't. is some, like some patients, it's gone when they show up to the OR or yeah. the ER. And some patients, it's like, you know, we can try. And I think it's worth giving a shot. You know, they don't, these people don't know. It's worth giving a shot. what is the amount of time yeah, like, that is acceptable? When's the bike cut? When's all, the bright idea yeah. cut off? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, all right, bro, like we tried, yeah. yellow. Yeah. But like, I think that's what Derek is asking here is, is there might be a standard that could be implemented, right? right? But it's like, hey, is listen, 14 yeah. years, yeah. we're, this we're is wasting a, our time. This is not even a medical talk. This is an ethical and a more, like an ethical mm-hmm. thing, right? Like, yeah. like some people believe that just chop it off and go back to life, you know, where you put your prosthesis on it and you go, you know, get back at it. And some people will be like, give them a chance. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. But yeah. other, I, I, think other need, opinions. I think we need more. I think we need more ethics and medical decisions. Going yeah. crazy. Well, well, let me ask you this. Derek. That's a whole other topic. Yeah, itself, know, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a guy who doesn't let many things get in, in, in your way, right? Uh, like, right. If if you had a limb salvage, say you showed up at the hospital and your leg was barely hanging on, would you be the type of person to give up right away and say, take it? Or are you the type of person you're like, fuck that. I'm doing everything I possibly can to be back on my own two feet again. Yeah, I mean, down- I can speak to that. Like when, yeah. I, when I was initially blown up, I knew the doctor at the the calf where I was rolling in. He was a captain um, with the 82nd headquarters and we had been processed together. Yeah. And I remember looking at it, I was like, don't take my right leg. You know, like just flat out, like yeah. save my right leg. And here's the deal: I've I don't I can't say because it wouldn't be fair for me to make that judgment. Sure. I could say yeah. that, like in situations where I had a choice of whether to do it or not, I did. Yeah, OIs being one of them. Like I took two years out of my life to stop and have a six a fifty ninth and a sixtieth surgery that yeah. was followed up by a sixty first. So if anybody if anybody asks, like, yeah, from a position of action, like, yeah, I, I benefit to the highest quality of life. Mm. And that's what I tell people is like, I don't think you have a very high quality of life wearing a giant X-Fix thing around your leg for, and like, it's weird. And I think maybe I learned to learn the lesson indirectly is when I was a recovering, uh, when I was recovering at Walter Reed, there was another, another guy who was a captain recovering and we all kind of did our thing in the mornings mm-hmm. and he was a limb salvage and he was a motorcycle accident guy that came into Walter Reed and he was on active duty and he was wearing his limb and he was, he was going to be um, a BK or just like a not ideal, a little high BK, but he's like, Hey, you know, I'll give it six months, six months. And then like three months and he's like, nah, I can do a year. It's going to take me that long anyway. So like a year in, like I'm starting to out process and go along and go back to RTD and taking, taking a company and doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. 
So he's still there in that X fix at like 13 and a half months. As I'm leaving, I remember talking to him. I was like, Hey man, like you hit your year. You're going to, just going to join the club or what? And he goes, I'm going to give it another six months. Ooh. I came back for my six month evaluation. He went from being a BK to an AK because he got an infection in one of his screws on the top of his thigh. Oh, fuck. So like, yeah. how much more of an asshole do you feel like right now? Yeah. And it's like, you like, and I get that people are scared <laughs> to like embrace a shit, like a, like a less than ideal situation for their life. But like you and I, like we live that every day and we have great lives. And if you're like looking, constantly looking at the negative, and this could be a message to everybody out there in this situation, like yeah. stop, like you're laying in a hospital bed, not accomplishing anything. Mm-hmm. And like your biggest fear is not having a foot or a leg. There's literally thousands of people out there doing it. And OI is a viable option for civilians. Now they're doing it at John Hopkins. They're doing it in California. I think San Francisco is opening a market for like test subjects. And like your quality of life goes up greatly. Sockets cause issues. Liners cause issues. Like passive suction systems are less than ideal. Double wall systems are heavy, depending on your nub size, what you have going on. Like a lot of this shit stuff that people don't even begin to get into. And instead they're just sitting in a hospital for 14 years. Yeah. They have no idea. They have no idea what's out there. And I think something like this can bring more awareness to it and think, you know, people languishing in bed for 14, or not in bed for 14 years, but still like- I mean, you're essentially in bed for 14 years. You're not getting on roller coasters. You're barely driving cars. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, going back to what we talked about last time, living a life and, you know, being alive and living a life are two different things, right? So, you know, you live the life that you want to live. And if you, if you know, if you can't do that 14 years, why is it, you know, why are you doing that? No, it's cool. I just think that with all the options out there, with OI, the high-tech prosthetics. Like, I get 20 years ago when they were wearing wood, but now that we have high-tech, we, we can talk about knees, foots. I mean, I revised AKs. myself. So yeah. I revised from a Symes amputation mm-hmm. to... Right, I remember you told me that. BK. Your yeah. quality of life probably immediately and, improved. And, and I had to uh, essentially get rid of about seven, eight inches of my leg mm-hmm. um, after doing 11 surgeries. So after, you know, September 2010, finishing up, and then April being my revision of 2011 uh, was going down six inches from the patellar tendon. And you, right. and you can talk about that, right. you know, a little bit more on that. But, you know, I made that same decision, too, was, you know, what is the quality of life that I'm going to have as a Symes amputee? And and their biggest uh, argument is like, well, you could limp, you could bear, bear weight on your limb. Uh, you know, in the bathroom in the middle of the night. And I'm like, what the, like, what, what about 99% of the other <laughs> part of the day? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So like, you know, there, there's some pros and cons to every side of this story. And you really have to just sit there and balance it out. You know, do you want to waste time for 14 years? I knew a guy who did it for seven years and now he's, uh, he's with group again. He's got a completely good leg. It's, it worked for him. You know, <laughs> would you do it again? I said, probably not. He was <laughs> sick of it every single day. I yeah. talked to that guy. And, and you know, like patience is good, but we all know that time is a killer and you have to make, you know, prompt decisions. Right. Um, or you're going to end up in it as an AK as, to, as opposed to a BK. So recognizing that there is pros and cons yeah. to both mm-hmm. sides of the story. Yeah. I want to touch on something that Derek had mentioned before about OI stuff um, and, and infections. Really the main risk of OI is infection. Mm-hmm. The reason being is because there is a communication from his bone to the outside world through the interface between his skin and and the nub, what, what he calls it. Nub. The metal nub. The abutment. Right, the abutment. Mm-hmm. It's a technical term. So Yeah, sometimes well, we use those. So <laughs> I, I imagine that you, you have a cleaning routine for it. I imagine they told you that you really can't go into uh, a lake. No brown or, water. Like I go, yeah. No brown water. Right. I go, I've done ocean. I've done lake. I've right. done... 
I do. The, my, my primary limitations are no groundwater and good judgment. Yeah. But as far as a cleaning routine, it really just varies based on how well your nub and the, the, the attachment of Yours the looks skin. Pretty good. Mine yeah. isn't bad. Mine separates because it's misaligned by a fraction of a set inch that causes a lot of discharge and bleeding on one side from mm-hmm. stress. But it's, I mean, it's their best guess. And I'm right. not going to go have surgery to fix it. It's it'll be yeah, like horrendous process the enemy of good is better so i mean if it's it works right. for you, yeah and so. that's where i'm at like yeah. unless there's a significant improvement to life like there was from socket to oi and again yeah. it's like a three-year process and we can talk through that if you want from a patient's perspective and i, I have questions for doctors because a lot of the stuff and i get that we're making it up along the way but it just a lot of these programs are experimental so a lot of things there's just right, a yeah. lot of questions are like all right well from your side of the fence what's why did you do this yeah yeah so, so um, and the, the benefits of OI, um, a few of them we're talking about is that metallic rod is in his femur. Uh, so it aligns with his body. Mm-hmm. So someone who has the, um, the cup, uh, you know, the suction prosthesis, let's say your femur is like this or like this, the suction prosthesis is kind of moving around like this. Yeah. And you never get, uh, I mean, the, the amount of energy you have to spend in order to walk is significantly higher than what he has to do. And forget it if that seal breaks. And, right, yeah. exactly. So you That's are even more so much, like an AJ. Yeah. So yeah. you're using so much more energy when that is moving like this, as opposed to this is his femur and there's the rod. It is an alignment for, you know, more or less, and it is not moving. Mm-hmm. So his function, when he moves his muscles, he's getting movement directly out of that, um, that process straight to the knee, so the it's, it's way. what the bone is meant it's for. So, right so, now so, you're transferring <clears throat> that in the non-doctor way of saying a suck, a, a, a socket is around the nub. Whereas now I'm directly connected. Yeah. So I, it, this is, I'd say like, if I had to pick how much control I have over my leg before with my nub, I had, I'm two centimeters from a hip dysartic. So I have like a three and a half inch femur. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's nothing left. And a lot of that's just reshaped HO. So with that, I, I would I could walk but before OI. I was able to walk about 200 meters tops, and then I would have to stop, reposition my nub, my liner because it would slide off my nub because it's this big, and then I would have to reattach my prosthetic because my prosthetic would attach to my liner that had a shitty connection to my nub. So, so it would pull off, and if I walked or if I gained any speed, the 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 momentum would actually pull the liner off faster. Yeah. So then it would get to a point where I was yeah. compressing like a piston and my nub would be destroyed. Yeah. I did this for 10 years. Yeah. And like the reason why guys commit suicide is because of those little small things that they can't help that impact their life significantly. It's huge. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. going into this now is there's direct secure connection. It's not even that it's the, 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 everything that was said is like, it's direct, it's underneath, it's connected and it's easier to guide mm-hmm. that those are all pluses, but the simple fact that it's, it's more organic and my hips were, it had a two inch displacement from a socket because it had to be naturally shorter. 10 years later with muscular development, I had a two inch displacement. I'm now corrected within a quarter of an inch. Yeah. Hmm. So a lot of these things are like the small things that make it better. And the, uh, would you have been able to do? Would you have been able? That's all good. Yeah. Would you have been able to do the weightlifting 
stuff with with a traditional prosthesis. I did for a few years, but I wouldn't have been able to like I set all the records for an AK in a socket, but then the OI let me and it was towards the end of my career. It was I was able to maintain those weights for mm-hmm. that first year or mm-hmm. two. Yeah. So if I, I assume if I'd had it sooner, I could have grown past that, but I was already old and I already done everything I needed to do. I didn't, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to walk and have a higher quality of life at that point. We touch upon, um, now with OI versus the, versus a cup, um, you actually get proprioception, like what, meaning like you get the sensation of the vibration when you Yo, walk. 100%. Yeah, 100%. So, so like you I, know where your leg is. R- yes. Exactly. So like the, the control previously of the prosthetic went to the end of the socket. And now with the OI and the connection, I feel like I can't run, but I have the same control as like a knee disartic, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem like a huge improvement, but from no femur to the full femur. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like a high BK, just based on how I, because when you're, when you're missing a leg, you like tend to w- notice other people's steps and motions like, yeah, the, my gates improved to the point of where I how walk much, more similar to do a BK than an AK. How much do you think that improved comparatively? Night and day. Hmm. Like when, I, I, give uh, me a percentage. I, I, before my mobility was probably like at a ninety-eight percent loss. I'd say my mobility now is probably like a sixty percent, sixty-two percent loss. I mean, it's and like, I'm, I'm basing that yeah. on legitimate studies and and walking tests that I've done in a multi-year. It's a three-year process. So yeah. you do your initial walk. Your 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 six month walk after, and then your one year, and then so right. based on that, like my I am uh, significantly higher functioning. Touch touch on the pain. It's excruciating. It's the worst from from the first walk that you did after the surgery. <laughs> it I can't even explain the process. Just to go from that. So at the, the that first surgery, they're implanting the rod, uh, shifting the muscles around into their new positions. Close it for 90 days. The second surgery, they're exposing the rod, mm-hmm. ensuring the attachments of the muscles, closing the rod or closing the wound around the rod. And then basically I'm in a bed with an, a hip X fix on for seven days. I can't move. I can't do anything. I can't because it's just setting. Yeah. Once that's done, it's basically... 90 days of nothing mm-hmm. tapping it and when i say like tap i mean you're like and yeah. like I, you feather touch it and i could feel the vibrations throughout my body because remember oh. when you shiver it's your skin shaking around your skeletal system mm. when someone's tapping on a metal rod that's vibrating through your bones it's inside your skin and muscles mm-hmm. so you could feel the vibrations when it first happened it would make me flinch and jump and be extre- extremely painful. Now I can take like a little hammer and I can like tick it. And it's like <laughs> kind of like a, like a nervous flinch because the CNS has responded it's to the sensitized. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, just touching the nub like this with the fingertips for the first six months was enough to make me ball my fist and want to hit a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and it's just shit you have to do. And I couldn't even stand for six months and you start in 20 pound increments of pressure, 20 pounds on your prosthetic side yeah. for seven days. And then you can go to 40 pounds for seven days Gradually loading to it. your body yeah. weight. I'm a 200 pound amputee. It took 10 weeks and yeah. I did an extra two weeks because I fell and hit my nub. Did you ever second guess it as you were going uh, no, through it? I, I think um, the, the, the bright side of being stronger than you are smart. You just kind of accept things as they are and do what you have to do to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like, I did struggle. The only thing I struggle with now is just how many surgeries does the average person have in a lifetime? 
I mean, as a patient? As a, just randomly, you know, the average American. The average American. Actually, actually, that's a good question. I don't know just the answer. Can we Google that? Like, can I don't we know. Google it? Some, how many surgeries the average American has? One, two, maybe? In a lifetime? It's got to be three, yeah. right? Yeah. Like one it's when you're a kid. It's got to be under three. Like, I've had two. Maybe, I've like, had two Yeah, maybe lifetime. one as an adult and then like yeah. one in your old age. Including uh, wisdom teeth taken out or something like that. Something minor. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, yes, you had what? 61? 61. Tonsils, yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking like the average American, I have under five surgeries. We all get it there. At this point, <laughs> like, if, I'm having, if I've had 12 times the amount of surgery, what's the, how many people die in surgeries? Like, what's the death rate for surgery? It's like, much better now. like <laughs> one in a thousand. Like, I'm, I'm already 65% higher chance of I just, now I get nervous of like, Hey man, at some point everybody's a statistic, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't get nervous about the recovery. That's the easy part. It's just like the going to sleep part. I was like, right. Does, like it's a different type of surgery, but I'll write 9.2. Nine point two. Nine point two is the average surgery. Okay, it's a lot higher than I thought. So that is, Jesus. I guess over the course of a lifetime. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Is that what about before the age of like forty? I feel like there's a lot of old people milking that up. Yeah. Yeah. Like what constitutes a surgery? Now it's suspect on what counts as a surgery. There's a lot of people that are out there like getting stitches and calling it an operation. You know, touching on your point, I think it's a good a good thing for the people who are listening to to realize who may not know is that when you're an amputee, when you get an amputation, it's not like one and done. You don't have one or two surgeries. You ended up having 12, 15, whatever, 12, 14 surgeries, 61 surgeries. There are people who have had That's hundreds without complications. Of That's without complications. Yeah. So this is a very long, and it, it could be a lifelong process, a lifelong, uh, lifelong surgery, again. basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I mean, these these Forever. Forever. <laughs> the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think most people don't realize that for amputees, they think, oh, you get your prosthesis and that's fit. Mm. And then you walk around, you're all good. You're good to go. But the, how many times you have to get adjusted? How many times you have to have surgeries? Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a four life deal. What's the wear and tear on an uh, like a implant typically like in your in your world? Like, hey, bro, you're going to have to get your OI teeth replaced in 30 years. So it depends on if what it's your leg and you use it every day for 16 hours a day and you're like, let's yeah. just say, uh, you know, do I need to say it again? You know, the answer, like, you know, uh, the answer is, you know, no, okay. you know. <laughs> Just keep, just keep yeah, just, the answer to that is no one knows because it, you know it's, it's a new. I get new that thing. vibe. Yeah. yeah, no one knows. But for uh, like for for teeth, teeth are even though you're chewing, it's not high impact in terms of you're just coming straight down on it. Yeah. For jaw, because you're, the jaw not only goes up and down, it kind of torses too. There's mm-hmm. multiple um, stresses on it that has a higher risk of fracturing. So what's that risk in teeth? It just depends on the patient. Well, um, the good news is we're making this all up on other types of OI, so we can wing yeah. it. Yeah, this is, we're, we're just, pull, just pull out a number. But, but basically, I mean, the long story short is for, for extremity um, amputees, no one knows the answer yeah. for OI. But a, a safe thing to say would be like, you probably will need to get it replaced down the road. 10 years, 20 yeah. years. What are hip re- replacements? You are treading in uncharted waters, yeah. brother. Yeah, no, well, those, I get it. You know, hip replacements, breast implants, they, those ten aren't years. ten years. Yeah. Those aren't those aren't lifetime devices either. What so if it was like every three years. No, it took you three years you to go get with, there. I always ask you, yeah. did you go three. get requalified for ranger school? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to do it one time. If I earned, you know, that leg transplant no, you, at the end. If you were in the army and you're like tabbed, and then every like two years you had to take your tab off or go back to ranger school. How many times are you going to go back to ranger school and put that tab back on? Every time. <laughs> you imagine? I was born in it. That's your recertification every Most year. You Loved it. Loved it. Loved every second of it.
experiences may vary. Exactly. So, could you have used a like a pin locking system since you were having so many tr- so much problem it's, with? So the, my issue the wasn't the 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 issue I had was connecting yeah. the liner to my body to prevent gotcha. it from to enable it to connect to the prosthetic because it's such a short distance yeah. and then okay. pin yeah. systems are for foot attachments so that and you could use a it. pin mm. system as an ak but it pull, applies more pressure downwards so it would have pulled it off faster gotcha. so I, I used a hip restraint yeah and would velcro it down and it yeah. got to the point where after yeah. 10 years my glute and my obliques had like been pushed in and deformed from the belt. And it's been Damn. three years now. Uh, and my butt cheek is still not recovering completely. So not yeah. like Kardashian. No, I'm getting there though, man. Scott can help you with that. Bag. I used to have a thick old butt. <laughs> you know, next time uh, you go still in do. and visit well, Dr. Scott, Scott, you know, you're going to come out with a nice pair of knockers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, uh, that's another good point. Just, I'm trying, to, like, I'm trying to steer us back here to like more of the, the beef here, but... Um, yeah. He's talking about you know wearing a harness for his for his short AK. Same thing for upper extremity, like you know you, for traditional prosthesis, you have to wear a shoulder harness yep. basically. Yeah, like this huge contraption you have to wear for so you can get a humeral OI, mm-hmm. which totally does away with that that whole harness, like for you too, right? So that that's another benefit for OI. Yeah, I mean there's there's pros and cons with everything, but I mean like Dave said. Would you recommend it? I would only, only recommend it to AKs with legitimate res- nub issues. Mm-hmm. So uh, anybody that's an AK, I think, is on the table to consider it. Like Wida. Wida is an AK. He's a need to start tech. Yeah. I've told Wida, when you're done competing, go get the surgery. Yeah. Because it'll increase the quality of life. He'll be, he'll have, he has a longer leg. He may be able to run. There's a lot more that he can do. He's a dad. He's still like in his early 30s. Whereas like, if you're like a BK, absolutely not. Unless you mm. unless you have like severe issues with your residual limb infections, uh, like blistering, like uh, air, air pathway issues, skin conditions, right. or some mm. kind of like just like ongoing problem, absolutely not. Yeah. There's just the limitations that it'll. There's more limitations from OI than there is just from being a BK. Yeah. And like I go float the river, I still put a I still put a liner on and waterproof my leg. Like there's no yeah. reason to do that unless, like the the what you're gaining on that that backside is extremely valuable. And understand that like you're gonna lose years off your life doing OI just by the simple fact that someday you're gonna be old and vulnerable and your immune system's gonna fail. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, like, but then you look at it. What are you doing? It. Quality versus quantity exactly. starts to matter, especially right. for guys with secondary health issues. span, not lifespan. Right? right? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 exactly. Like, yeah. If, yeah, if I can't fight and die on whatever hill I want, then you know, I don't need, I don't need to be around for that. Yeah, yeah. builds your peripheral. Right. Yeah. Um, talking about you have neuroma, or you had a neuroma? Yes. Okay. You still do? Uh, no. Okay. No, no, no. What so. did anybody? Did you have any surgery for that? You want to talk about that? Um, yeah. So I actually uh, had a fall and there was shrapnel behind my tibia okay. still that they left in there. And I mean, this probably happened about a year ago. I didn't put my sleeve on. You know, you know how that is. You take a step, <laughs> the leg stays behind, you follow through right into classic the wooden floor. Right. Yeah. And I was out, I was in a wheelchair for almost a month for that. But uh, uh, that shrapnel happened to break. Yeah. During that fall. Yeah. yeah during that fall. 
And, uh, you know, when I spoke to the doctor, he was like, it's probably a neuroma and all that right. stuff. So, um, I was actually in Florida at the time and had to continue that trip <laughs> until I got back home, but it was the most excruciating experience I've ever had in my life. Oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, a, they were able to, to kind of move around some things in my leg without having to do surgeries and said, if it bothers you again, just come back. So it was I lucked out. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, there, you know, for anybody out there who does have neuroma issues, there are surgeries to help fix that. So, what do they that, do? That can be. I mean, that can be the bane of someone's existence. Is having. I don't know if you had yeah. neuromas. But I, we all the nerve issues. I had an RFA done yeah. on all my nerves. Yeah, ten so, years ago. So, yeah, so that's a, like so now at time of amputation, typically things are done to prevent neuroma formation. Okay. You know, twenty years ago when the wars first started, or even before then they weren't doing these things. So they do the amputation, patient would develop an aroma a few months, a few years down the road, excruciating pain and they have to go back and fix it up. It wasn't really good at the same time, mm -hmm. at that time. So what we can do now is called TMR. So it's targeted muscle reinnervation. They're taking the cut nerve endings and basically rerouting them and putting them, dunking them into the remainder of the muscle. So it kind of just kind of peters That's itself off. That's part of the process right. for OI. It's part of the process for OI. So they do that. They do that now at the time of amputation or as a you know revisionary procedure on your amputation. So it prevents neuroma formation. It's not 100 foolproof, but it significantly cuts down on the amount of. They were just feeding. They were just yeah. feeding the sciatic nerve right back into the femoral nerve. Yeah. One retreats and dies. The other grows into its place. And then you just have one nerve acting on both parts. You just the, the nerves are just kind of like yeah. you know, connected to each other. So the the dead the nerve that's cut just kind of grows back into the the good nerve and kind of peters it out instead of. And the nerves have to find a home. Yeah. So if it doesn't find a home, it just forms a ball of nerve endings. That, that, that That's what a neuroma is. It's a knot. Yeah. It's a knot of nerves. nerves. A knot of nerves. And it's excruciatingly painful. And I mean, yeah. just just touching it. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. with your fingertip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's probably one of the most painful. I mean, I've never had one, but, but I've taken care of many patients with that. And it's probably one of the most painful yeah, things. I, I will yeah. say that I would rather lose my leg than have that happen yeah. again. And that's it what drives, awful. this is what drives patients to, to suicide ideation yeah. because this is, if it continues, it's just, it's, it's un unbearable. I, yeah. I, I mean, I cried from the pain. I mean, it was just excruciating yeah. Yeah. having a neuroma. No, I think uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, yeah, I just a lot of the problems I think guys are having with with the osseo integration program. I don't think we're having neuromas as much as they're having the abutment and the skin issues. Yeah, that's that's so, the like, that's, the, that's right. the big thing as far as like skin gathering because the skin, skin still grows. Oh yeah, it just gets kind of pushed up and then it kind of peels off and mm -hmm. you're kind of just shedding skin off the end of yeah, it. What the, and what the skin's trying to do is heal. It's right. trying to heal over but the stump. But it won't go but into it won't, that. Because the stump's blocking yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. it just continues and it peels and off. And then too, as yeah. your leg atrophies, now you have loose skin that's just so it's, it's heating kind of, up and rubbing. It's kind yeah. of both because there's loose skin and portions of my leg. Like I don't have a quadricep uh, or, or I have an eighth of a quadricep mm. and, or an eighth of a hamstring and a hip flexor on the left side. Mm -hmm. So my hip flexor acts as a quadricep and okay. my hamstring is like half-assed just attached to my glute. So it's not so that the string. So it's a hip. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's it's connected in a way to where it's functional for what it needs to do, but yeah. it's not ever going to be where it's at. A lot of these 
I, you made that joke. <laughs> you got a hamstring, you, you know. Feel yeah. so the, attachment, the attachment with the locomotion. So there's droopy skin where there used to be muscle tissue that's yeah. no longer there because it's either missing or it's just not able to grow based on the new movement of the of the re, of of the nub. Yeah. So that drooping skin will actually touch the prosthetic while I move, and it causes irritation. So like there is skin revisions and after. So it is like a a nub a nub lift. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what you call cut, they cut probably about five pounds of extra skin and fat uh, and soft tissue, residual tissue from my previous amputation off my nub because it added an extra two inches of extra skin for yeah, just that kind of fake flopping around. Yeah, that, yeah. but it was yeah. it, it gave it something to bite, right. whereas it wouldn't have anything to bite otherwise. Right. Do you ever get any pinching from that extra skin that that grows? Uh, sometimes yeah. a little bit, like more so on the socket because yeah. it kind of droops and there's always little ca- cracks and crevices in the socket. And it's it's super intimate on an AK. Like it was up into my taint and my sack would get sucked into it. And, <laughs> I will say that, uh, you know, having a knee, I know you, you wouldn't know anything about that on that side, uh, the back of the skin, uh, so the skin in the back of the knee. Yeah. Bunches up on prostate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know. Just like and a nut sack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad. No, so it, it, it was it a I had carbon fiber shoved into my taint. Tell me more about <laughs> the back of your knee, bro. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was way cooler to do shots out of a BK. Uh, right? You know what? You're pretty buddy. cool. Um, <laughs> so talk to me. Do you have, um, do, did you do the laser hair removal as well? No, I know a I lot did, of amputees I are did, doing so that. Dudes are doing it, but so so the benefit of being a OI patient is I don't care about a liner anymore. Oh, like yeah. it actually, it's a, it's an afterthought. Um, I, I look at like, uh, I look at other amputees. I look at my friends and I watch them put on liners and I just, I just stare at them and shake my head in disapproval. Like they're just <laughs> peasants. Like there's a step to take now. From like, your ivory tower. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. What is this, like, this guy lives in an ivory tower. <laughs> like, like, but no, the options there. I luxury, the bright side of it. Like I don't liners, sockets. Like I don't like my prosthetist was my best friend for ten years. I'd see him every ninety days, mm. and we would do line alignments. We'd constantly be in a phase state of like walking and readjusting and nub fluctuations. Like when I would compete, I'd compete at two sixty. Mm-hmm. When I was off season, just I'd be like two twenty. And that doesn't seem like a lot of weight, but I mean, like you're getting kind of fluffy for strength training and then you're like de fluffy. And then it's, it's changes the way this, I literally would have a heavy socket and a light socket <laughs> because when I was in my light socket, if I was heavy, it wouldn't fit. And if I was light trying to wear a big socket, I would bottom out and destroy my nub. Mm-hmm. And it's like these little changes that I just don't even have thought. Did they do that specifically for you because of what you did? Yeah, because yeah, I was okay. like, yeah. like, it was the luxury of being a military people. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you and you you requested that from them, or they suggested it? Or? It was just the way it was because it, otherwise I wouldn't be able to walk, and it's just standard healthcare. Like right. we didn't know that the first three years, I was just in a constant state of weight fluctuation. The dear little secret: How much weight did you gain after you lost your leg recovering in the hospital? I lost. Really? Oh shit! I went from one eighty five to one thirty. Holy! Yeah. Okay, so okay. okay, how much? Okay, like I got, I lost a, sh- I lost, I went when I got blown up. I was like two sixty, like sixteen percent body fat. Like when I woke up, I was like one eighty three, thirty three percent body fat. 
So it's like I, I went catatonic and I was in a coma for a while. So mm-hmm. I went catatonic, ate everything. So when I woke up, I was just like this, like fat, soft, pudgy, like. You became <laughs> what you feared the most. <laughs> <laughs> never want to win. And it was like, I just remember it was like the dirty little secret is like, if you, if you become an amputee and you're in any kind of like bed rest situation, like you are just going to waste away yeah. to nothing. And when it's time to go. Like, you're going to be mentally ready and just physically unprepared for life. Yeah. And that was the hardest part, I think, getting ready for it. So that's what I was worried about going into OI is coming out and just being stuck of, like, a year and not being able to walk and move. And the truth is, is there, it's just like losing your leg, doing a leg off day at the gym. Like, you figure out a way around it. And the, yeah. These are, like, you, the small triggers. Yeah. yeah. These are, work. like, the small triggers that people don't consider when they're going into it or they think about, but they overthink because they don't have yeah. the insight to it. So, and yeah. So uh, let's bring this back and kind of connect the dots a little bit on the medical side of things. Sure. Is, you know, when someone, when a, when a patient comes to a, a medical professional mm-hmm. and says, I want to do this surgery, what are some of the typical questions that they're asking, that you're asking? Right? Like, how do you find that balance of chopping off some more leg, you know? Right. Yeah. So for in terms of chopping off more leg versus keeping it, sometimes there's no choice. There's an infection. That's usually why you end up, you know, you end up starting at one level and then just making your way more proximal or up the leg mm-hmm. um, because the infection is progressing. And that was pretty common coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan because they had, you know, the, the explosion would happen. It would drive all these dirt and bacteria that was not native to the U.S. into the wounds and they would come back with funky infections of no idea. And the only way to clear it is to chop it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, antibiotics too, but the really don't, the best way... That's why half those surgeries were clean-outs. Most of them are. Yeah. And like, a lot of guys don't realize how, like, or a lot of people don't realize how infections were just an ongoing problem. Ongoing. Yeah. Like, we yeah, had 300, I mean, 400 amputees at Walter Reed and the BAMC had another 300. And this is like 2008 to 2004. 13 and dudes were doing it all together. Like you'd have guys there, 20 guys just doing clean outs. Yeah. And there'd be like five and it'd be every other day. It yeah. wouldn't be like one a week. It'd yeah. be like every other do, day. Like, these clean outs happen every 24 hours or 48 yeah. hours until you get viable tissue. And you just, you just keep chopping off muscle, bone, skin until you get bleeding viable or pink tissue. And, and I've had friends that start out as a long limb mm-hmm. BK yep. and get chopped up to AK. So yep. is that because the doctors aren't cutting enough off or is that because they just can't get ahead? Like, it's a great question. Like, yeah, that's a great like, question. That's like, a great are question. they not trimming enough off yeah. or are they just, does it just keep reoccurring? Because of, There's a great question. So in the OR, what we do is we remove what we can grossly see is infected or non-viable, meaning it's like gray and it's chronic, black, what it just is not bleeding. Sure. So we cut until it bleeds. And then you wash it all out with a ton of saline, antibiotics, impregnated saline. And then we wrap it up with dressing, knowing that if it's a bad infection, you're going back tomorrow yeah. or, or in two days for a nerve for the exact time. So I just, just a question. And it's variable. Why not just go like a eighth five, of a minute shift? Five percent more. Like it's yeah. bleeding. It's bleeding more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but that's a, that's an excellent question. And even yeah. with people have done it. Yeah. It's been done. And you know, even with washing it out, you would think that you know, throwing liters of saline on this wound that you just just now made fresh would wash all the bacteria away, but somehow it's still there. No, there's a question. Has it been done before? Maybe 
where, you know, the medical professional or surgeon is looking at it like, okay, we've done revisions on this three, four or five times. Let's, let's think about going a little bit further. Has, have you seen any cases of that? Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And there there are things like, um, smart doctors. It just makes (laughs) you look, there are good and good and bad people in every profession. Of course. There's a lot of good doctors. That's that's a nice political way to answer that. But, um, you know, in washouts, there are things that you do. You can, you can implant, uh, antibiotic beads in the bone in a wound that kind of just sit there and help with you know killing bacteria. The IV antibiotics that you get, yeah. the washouts. There's a, there's you're hitting the the infection from all angles. Yeah. Even then, you still end up with progressive amputations. And it's nothing to do with not taking enough yeah. off. It's Believe just me, all these other factors. They're throwing everything they can yeah. at it. And some people it's are not, just prone to it. And some people are yeah. prone to it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It would be interesting if there was like a, some sort of trend study I mean, the specifically idea, the about that. The whole idea that, behind though. that is to save as much of the limb as you can. Yeah, right? That's why progressive amputations. Like you, you yeah. don't end up with uh, your, your foot blown off and then wake up with uh, a high AKA. You know, not without 40 surgeries. Bro. <laughs> not without 40 yeah. surgeries. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't happen. You know what? You know that's not happen overnight. Okay, so. now that's yeah. how we do limb salvage. We install it in reverse order. You just do three, four inches of the leg at a time. Let that nerve grow. Okay, three, four, yeah, four that actually is a five-year process. That actually, actually is a thing. Length, yes. length, and bones. Yeah, you know who it's, started it that? The takes, Russians started that. Oh, oh that I thought it surprised me. Is it? It's China, China, again, it started in the fifties. It started in the fifties with dogs. Don't you say yeah. it? <laughs> so, like, there's short, stature people. Yeah, and they will like break their femur, move it apart. I used to be and then, it grows. And, then, and then I did that. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Good for you, man. Like, I need your doctor. He got, he got his well, knees done. Let's I hear it. Yeah, I got his knees I done. Knees done. If I can get to six one, I can break a femur. Yeah. 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 Scott, Scott, Scott see me after, because I'm. Uh... So this is for people a little short um, who. Have uh, bone length discrepancies from birth. Okay. Typically, yeah. one side is you know they have yeah. some sort and of and you can only so it's called distraction uh, distraction osteogenesis. Mm. You you cut the bone, you put an X fix on both sides, and then you gradually distract over the course it. of months distract it, and then you let the bone fill in and heal, and then you end up with a longer bone. Wow! And it works. I'm all about. We do that in a jaw. You do it in the legs. Is that something you do with leg perthes as well? Like what? Leg perthes, the people who have the legs that grow in like too short. Uh, like, like really short? Yeah, yeah. Well, it only works up to a certain length. Okay. So I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. That, this is a done, fully developed leg. Yeah. For, oh, okay. This is done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, no, no. yeah. So this is done by orthopedic surgeons for the legs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it for the face too, for oh, jaw. Okay. Like if okay. a person has a small jaw, we do that. Um, is that cosmetic on the jaw? No, it's functional. Because if, if, you're, if you're mandible doesn't meet your maxilla, which is upper and lower jaw. You're, you have major issues with function, chewing, eating. You have TMJ issues. Mm. So it's functional. So people with an underbite? It's more than just that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. this is like an obvious medical. Uh, yes, it's huge, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like where is they- that an underbite and an overbite where you, where you usually see that, right? An underbite, right? Underbite, so jaws, yes. yeah. The, yeah. The really tiny, like, tiny chin. It'd be like if yeah. someone just ripped their jaw off. There's, there's yeah, just, there's a difference okay. between having a small chin and having a um, a retro a retronathic jaw, meaning that the jaw was set all the way back or didn't grow out as far. So there's a difference. Some people have weak chins, yeah. but if you look in their mouth, their teeth still align just okay. fine. But people who have problems with their jaws, their teeth don't line up. 
weak chin. Okay. I'm going to start bringing that back. You have a weak yeah. chin. Like, weak chin's 30 chin. Because that's just yeah. weird just enough for them to... Mr. Glass all over it. Yeah. 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 It's, just, it's just weird enough for them to really sit back and be like, They're going to be like, I think it's an offense. <laughs> so, so what drugs, people is that way, yeah. do you have to yeah. dislocate the jaw? No, it's the same thing you do in a leg. You make a cut in the bone and you okay. put... How you actually can do an X-fix on the jaw. Oh, um, and that did actually the X fix on the face was um, actually pioneered by a army facial surgeon who lives here in Bernie, uh, okay. in two thousand three or four. So he was the first guy. He's like he was working with an orthopedic guy uh, over in Iraq, and um, yeah, the, the orthopedic guy was doing X fixes on legs. And uh, the facial guy, you know, he had some guy that came in with a gunshot wound to the jaw, was missing half the jaw, but there's, but the, the forward and the back pieces were still there. Okay. So he took like the X-Fix that he used for a hand, which are smaller pins, mm-hmm. and put that on the guy's jaw and wrote it up. And that's what, that's standard of care now for gunshot wounds. Say, so hear me out. I got this crazy fucking yeah. idea. <laughs> so, I mean, like you're, like, like you're saying. I'm super thankful for my problems. Yeah. Like yeah. you're saying, war is what advances medicine. And that's yeah. an unfortunate, but fortunate in the same way, right? Yeah. I mean, it exposes you to a whole new plethora of situations, yeah. right? As like, well. You know, so then go back to the funded. part where you could, you said, I could, I, like, I can feel, because I, I asked the doctors at Walter Reed, I was like, I can feel my bone with my like I can feel the metal yeah. rod yeah. I can feel my bone right. I can feel the difference between the two yeah so there's different I can yeah. <laughs> feel like I, like it's all there right. and like they're like oh well that that's not a thing <laughs> or it's a thing but it's not it's, I don't know it feels like a thing yeah, I feel like you yeah. would know. That was a very right, clear yeah. description, but I'll I'll try to yeah, tell you. Yeah, do your best, yeah. man. Like I just look, remember, I'm not a doctor. So so your bone I'm sure you web MD'd it last night. Yeah, 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 they yeah. told so, me I had cancer. Yeah. In a Holly Inn Express. Yeah. So uh, you know, your bone, just like any part of your body, has nerve endings, pain nerve endings, and vibration nerve ending endings. So um the pain endings are on the periosteum, which is a soft tissue that covers the bone. So when you fracture your bone and they snap, that's when you get extreme pain. Mm-hmm. Or if there's irritation for some, you know, on, on the nub or around it, that's when you get the pain. Inside the bone, surrounding the bone is proprioception receptors, which is basically um, vibration and your sense of where your body is in space. Hmm. Gotcha. So um, with, with a traditional prosthesis, you don't really get that. With the rod inside the bone, it's, it's abutting the bone or so inside the bone. Feel it so down you can the feel like that, your, that your prosthesis is in your okay. bone. And when you when you take a step and your foot hits the ground, you can feel that, yeah. right? So it's different. You feel it much different now. Than Yo, no, no, that's what yeah. I mean I, at all. So that's right. well, that's and that's what I assume. I yeah. Just, yeah. So I mean, the idea is that because you have a much better sense and the and your actual you have actual alignment of the bone and the pin, uh, that your function is much better. Yeah. You're expending less energy. Yeah. To to walk and and you can do more now than you could have done prior to it, right? right. Yeah. When, when did you complete the surgery? The second surgery was completed October of um, 19. Okay. And I got So it's yeah. only been a few years. Do you yeah. see. No, 20. 20. Okay. So 20, two 20. years. Yeah. Do you see like every day that goes by that your mobility is increasing? Yeah, 100%. Well, not every day. There's a point where it, well, it you know, like, I think around two, three years, I feel like you get there. Like hmm. the first, the inside the first year, it was, I remember I have videos of my first step and then I have videos of my first step. Mm-hmm. So there's like, and then I have videos of the first time I walked and yeah. it's night and day. So it's just like the first time you lost your leg, but it's, I feel like you have the inside track on 
like the experience, but not the way it feels because mm-hmm. the pain's excruciating. It's unbearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, after the first surgery, and maybe I'm just a a, a pussy um, with pain. Doubtful, but <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I felt like I felt like I had a good grasp on it. I didn't actually yeah. think about it going into it. I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I like maybe I just wally under. And then you woke the up operation. like, oh god. Oh, I 100. I woke up and I was like, no. That this is something's wrong, uh, and like literally was it was supposed to be a five day, five to seven day recovery. And again, it's an it's a trial. I was there for like seventeen days, and then after the first, the second time, it was supposed to be like it was supposed to be like leave the next day, and I was there for like six days. Mm. And it was, and I don't maybe I was just sensitive to it, or I just had a bad reaction to it. <laughs> Uh, but there was, it was the most pain I'd ever felt. And then trying to walk, like standing on it, it was a process. After I got about, once I got about four weeks into the standing portion, I feel like the pain didn't subside. It was just, I was used to it. And then you could actually measure the pain after that in a calculated way to push your limits. Because the first couple, the first month, I was trying to like stand on it and it made, I, I'd stand on it too long or I'd put too much pressure on it or I wouldn't mm-hmm. pay attention and it would be debilitating. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said with your neuroma, like touch it and you're just, I would, I would be on the ground in the fetal position and I would be in cold sweats mm-hmm. because wow. of the amount of pain I was in. And then, like, and I would tell people, leave me alone for like five, 10 minutes. Don't. And like I was rolling on the ground in pain because it's that fucking painful if you put if you hit it at the wrong angle or metal on metal contact yeah. early on. Yeah. Like I remember the doctor's like, I'm just gonna tap and see how sensitive you are. And he went, dink. And I like Long closed my fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my doctors. I had great doctors. And I never wanted more to bury it inside someone's fucking face. Because he just it wasn't intentional. It was just like dink. Yeah. And it was very light, but for me. It was just the end of the world. Damn. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's still worth it. I just, be honest. I don't think the doctors are being as, uh, I think they're being honest. I just don't being there as upfront with the worst case. They're giving like the best case. Yeah. And not like the most likely case. And not my doctors, because I, I, <laughs> I think I asked the right questions, got it. But going into the surgery, ask like, hey man, on a scale of one to 10, is this going to be miserable? Or like excruciatingly miserable because it's not going to be any better than miserable. So, so it's a what, hard. Yeah. yeah. What What's your perspective on that? What he yeah. just said. I mean, I think patient communication is key. Like you have to be mm-hmm. upfront with the patients about everything. But in an experimental situation where you have twenty six patients or twenty five yeah, prior, yeah, prior, prior to you, yeah. then um, it's hard. It's hard to to, to Best, say yes. Yeah. Like. It's going to be painful. I can't tell you on a scale of 1 to 10. First of all, I've never had it done to myself. And then we only have 22 other patients. So, you know, playing devil's advocate here is probably... No, I I give them the benefit. But but yeah, but but they're excellent docs. I know who they are. And like, you know, I think it's key when talking to any patient before any surgery or any procedure that you tell them, this is what you expect after surgery. Yeah. You know, you you may be in a little bit of pain. You're going to be in excruciating pain. But you know, with with you, you have you have a significant injury. What do they do for pain control afterwards? Oh, I mean, it was good. I like I have a personal thing against narcotics, so right. it, it took time to wean off. It was a battle. Yeah. Did you uh, use other like alternatives like you know, gabapentin? Yeah, I, I, gabapentin. I tried to avoid because of the side effects, yeah. but it's like a necessary evil with yeah. nerve pain. Yeah. Uh, early on, it was diluted in ketamine. 
Yeah, oh, ket- like yeah ket- ketamine. ketamine's been proven to work. Yeah, well. so ketamine, but, but it also has a side effects. Yeah, I was to say too. if you're if your morning nurse <laughs> yeah. comes in to clean your lines and flushes too much ketamine into your system yeah. the first thing, and you're not expecting it, and the walls start melting. Oh, yeah. It feels a lot like dying. Yeah. Yes. Good, Good morning. Like, <laughs> never into, I've never I've never gone into a K hole so fast. Yeah. Face first. Yeah. Yeah. Nurse, I'm ready to check out. Yeah. For like 45 minutes, I just want to scream the entire time. Yeah. 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 My body's getting bigger and smaller at yeah. the same time. There's, there's a big push to use ketamine for uh, for pain control and also for de- like, um, psycho- psychological issues like depression. I'm a fan of both. Uh, I think it's yeah. great. Like if you low dose, I think low that, dose, I yeah, think yeah. I, this was the this is early on, and I will say this is early on in ketamine use. Yes, and I don't think that like the 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 all of the si- it was still experimental. And again, this is this has been pioneered in the military. Oh, 100. Now it's I was doing it like six work. years yeah. ago, and he was <laughs> like, "Oh, they give me ketamine now." I'm like. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. But like, she just, I yeah. think she just came in and the line was being, had some blockage and they needed to be changed. So I think she surprised a saline line yeah. and just cleared it. And I was like, oh yeah, she's cleared my line. Not a big deal. And then like two minutes later, I'm like, I'm getting warm. <laughs> Something's happening. And yeah. then it just, I, now, and that was before any of that use. Now I've done ketamine treatments. I've done ayahuasca. I began, right. There's a lot of, and I'm a huge fan of it. Because it gets people off narcotics. Yes. Mm. The ketamine yeah. is not supposed to be addictive. Yeah, we know plenty of people it's less done addictive. It and it's worked. Yeah, 100%. It works so well for them, yeah. So, Scott, why don't you walk through ketamine therapy? That they're I'm doing not, now for. <laughs> no, I, I, I am not. To clarify, I will bullshit with him about leg stuff. I will tell you that I have no idea. That is not my specialty. So, so yeah, ketamine yeah. therapy from a mental cognitive perspective. <laughs> Uh, it's just like any other drug out there, not to minimize it, but there's there's some people that get great benefit from the loose, the uh, I don't want to say pain management for well, it's pain management, weeks. but it's more than that because it's yeah, cognitive it's, it's relief and dissociative. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it gives them like, and that's probably that's, that's the doctor way to say it. Yeah, like it gives them that 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 dissociative factor mm-hmm. that allows them to separate from the situation. Exactly. Of pain. That's what ketamine yeah. does, and like it, yeah. it, it gives you not like your out of body experience, but it gives you your ability to like just mentally to and step emotionally, out. yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, get get detached from the physical. Yeah, it removes yeah. yourself yeah. from the problem. Whereas like with other yeah. with other similar drugs that give that disassociation factor, I guess it, mm-hmm. it, it's less intense and it doesn't do so from the physical self as yeah. much. And I think that's why people are moving towards it. I think it, it helps. And the non-addictive piece is it. And after 20 years of opioids, uh, the knee-jerk reaction of the government was to not let doctors do scripts for their patients and make us see strangers we only see four times a year in pain management. Right. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I have to re-justify the 12 years of drug treatments that I've been doing to a stranger that thinks I'm taking too much. I've and I think you hit it on the head. You hit it on the head with that in that, uh, you know, one treatment could last eight weeks yeah. as opposed to being on prescription medication. Mm-hmm. And most amputees that I've talked to and every amputee, myself included. Every amputee, every. dirty little secret, every military amputee that went through Bamsey or, or Walter Reed had an opioid problem. Mm. It, d- yes. yes. And probably a drinking problem. Yeah. yeah. The drinking problem we're used to, the opi- opioid epidemic was new for us. Yes. And that that crushed the community. Yeah. It crushed it. Big yeah. time. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, there are programs now and stuff that you've done yeah. that have taken people off all well, of that's, that. That's why is, we push the ketamine treatments and the alternative medicines and cannabis because yeah. these are all natural, organic, Mostly non-addictive 
slightly habit forming at worst. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at one point, at, at the worst point, how many different kind of medications were you on? Twenty-seven pills. So, that's amazing. That was, right? but that yeah. wasn't. That was. That was in one handful. I, I took seventy-six doing, pills. A well, day. that's what I was saying. I'm, but that, so that was one handful. That every four that's, hours. I mean, that's a full meal. Of more pills. Of pills. Yeah. yeah. But, but, and, but, but they were to counteract. There was one thing exactly to soften yeah. stool, one thing to harden. Your so stool. you're doing like, 27 like, pills in the morning, 27 stool. pills at night, <laughs> yeah. and then you have just a bunch of shit pills. You have two like eight pill regiments midday because pain control isn't about is about staying ahead of pain. Right. Mm. So like, you're taking pills for what you anticipate your pain level yeah. being, not what you're experiencing. Because if you're experiencing pain, too late. You're already on the ride. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, for example, for my practice now. Before surgery, patients are getting loaded up on non-narcotic pain medications. In surgery, they're not getting narcotic pain medications. And after surgery, I give them three different kinds of non-narcotic pain medications to take as a baseline level of pain control, and then a narcotic, Mm. a small amount of narcotic, if they need it for breakthrough pain. So Mm. that's the idea now, and it's completely done on 180, where we used to give Percocets and Oxycontin seven days for standard, like candy. Like uh, we used to give 30 days of Oxycontin. Like it was, I mean, that was a thing back 10 years ago. Well, that's what happens when you incentivize the medical farms. Right. Exactly. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. That is a different conversation that we will not touch on. No, we won't (laughs) go there. We won't go there. But now we avoid that. Yeah. But the problem is that we've, we've overcorrected. And right. like, uh, there's a place for opioids. There's a place, there's a place for, for yeah. non-opioids. There's a place for cannabis. There's a place for ketamine. And like, I think a lot of the stuff that they started doing maybe five years ago that I'm aware of at the hospital is the the botanical creams, mm-hmm. the ketamine, mm-hmm. clotin, yeah, uh, uh, morphine, and there's one other. Yeah, the, the sticker. What was that? The, the sticker. lidocaine patches. The lidocaine. Yeah, lidocaine. Yeah, lidocaine. Lidocaine. lidocaine patches. But it's yeah. not a patch. It's a cream that you just put on yeah. your. Well, I, had, I had the patches. patches too. Oh, I had yeah. the cream yeah. that you yeah. would rub yeah. on, and yeah. like it was. Patches that were was dope. They'd work yeah. twenty four hours. Right. Yeah. 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 I didn't have luck with the patches. The cream was awesome because it was that ketamine, lidocaine, colostipin, like whatever. I think all alternative medicine is the direction that you we we are going though, right? I mean I think there's getting, a use for it for sure. Getting yeah. back out off of narcotics and getting people off prescription medication. That is a killer, yeah. in my opinion. You know, you, I mean you, I, you see it on TV every day. There's always a there's always a commercial for this medication. I gotta take uh well, you know, Giardia. That's whatever. the government's uh, fault. Yeah. Direct but, marketing to the population is not the same. Giardians, Giardians are a bug, but it, yeah, okay. you know, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. There's always now com- I do. There's always, <laughs> <laughs> there's always names and all these things like you know, and then patients come in saying, oh, "I want this, I want this, I want this." It's a medication for everything now. There's a medication yeah. for pushing. There's a medication for pulling, like you know, softening and hardening. That sort of thing, like you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And like, why do you need a medication for softening, but you need one for hardening at the same time? Like they're negating each other out, right? Yeah. It's just like Find the, the, the knee jerk uh, reaction for for most doctors now is just. Send them another med. Yeah. Send them another med. You're not treating a real problem. So you know, people just need to like actually take a hard reset here. Doctors can't say no though. If you have a patient that comes in and demands something and you say no, somebody else will give it to them. That's exactly correct. And that's that's also a doctor problem. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. But that's but there's no incentive to change in the market. That's a correct too. Yep. So uh, you know, people I, I think that more people are, are becoming more woke. To the issue, <laughs> awake to you know, awake to these I issues. I think people but, are just starting yeah. to realize that doctors yeah. don't have their best interests at heart. 
And I think that's the sad fact about yeah. the medical community right now. Some. Well, and also I would say, Some. you know, we get on it. Every doctor's do it. We get on the... Um, <laughs> I think Scott cares. A significant, a significant <laughs> amount of doctors are participating. A majority, <laughs> a vast majority of doctors are participating on this in this on some level. You know, uh, because it's the market. You can't not. Right. Well, corporate healthcare is a, bit, is a big issue now. We could talk about this in a whole conversation, but corporate healthcare makes patients numbers. Yeah. Oh, 100%. They're not people anymore. So mm-hmm. doctors are now just, you know, they're just... Getting 100 patients in and out the door every Welcome day. Welcome to Medicare and Medicaid, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there we go. We're going to film an ad for them yeah. right after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to dive too deep into political leadings and the yeah. state anyway, but, but also the, the medical community. Years, since, yeah. since COVID happened, yeah. I mean, people have also lost trust in doctors for, you know, telling them the right things. There's a yeah. lot of, you know, there's Man. a lot of false stuff out there before and after COVID. And, yeah. you know, and, people, and I think the people's faith in the medical system is really at an all-time low. But there's there's also that's true for every institution in America. Yeah, bad eggs yeah. in the basket. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there there's good doctors and there's bad doctors. You know, right. there's, there's some yeah. doctors who are looking out for and, their best know, interest. And, and you know, as a patient, you have to do your research. To, you know, before you go to a doctor, you can't just you what, know, walk what in are, the door. Let's let's get out of the negative. Like, let's get out of the negative, Derek. Yeah. I'm talking. Is, and this is, <laughs> is what what kind of questions do we have to look for? Right. Um, how we research a doctor and make sure we're making the right decision. We're doing our due diligence yeah. here. That's good, an excellent question. And there's no, you know, there's no you know, right answer to this, but you want to make sure that they are board certified in whatever specialty it is. Mm-hmm. So board certified orthopedic surgeon, board certified psychiatrist, whatever it may be. Okay. There's American medical board that, that I think there's only 25 medical boards out there for specialties. They recognize, and they're strenuous exams. Like I had, I'm board certified in my, in plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. You have to take a written exam and an oral exam. They have to look through your cases for two years and make sure that you're not making mistakes. It's everything is scrutinized in order to get that certification. Mm-hmm. You have to do CME every year to maintain it. And every 10 years, you have to retake a test to to you know maintain your certification. That's a very important thing. Now, given in the board's, Doctors who are board certified, there sure are some that are much better than others. People pass tests that yeah. are maybe maybe shouldn't be passing tests, but that's that's a key thing. Key is years of experience. Where they trained, like mm-hmm. you want to go to someone who did who did their training program in a good training program, you know, good training. Program. How do you how do you know what that is? Well, you know, big names like the usual ones: Harvard, WashU, NYU, across the country. You know, UCLA. Those are big programs. They're small community programs. Not saying that they're bad. Now. I'm sure I can get heat for this, but um, there are different levels of programs. Sure. Here in San Antonio, the major hospital, UT, that's a good training program. They have huge volumes of patients coming in. So the more volumes they see all kinds of pathology and acute pathology and chronic pathology, their trainees get great training. Yeah. You know, you go to somewhere in middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, or at, Nothing is Oklahoma. I'm sure someone's watching, but but you know you know what I'm saying is like talking just, to you, Oklahoma. You, have to, you, know, you do some research. Typically, the doctor will have on their website if if they have their private practice or the university's website their background if they're board certified. Yeah, you know, do they do any research? Not, research isn't critical, but I mean, just to see how involved they are in their in their care and their expertise. How many years have they been doing it? I think that's that's also. Good to know. And again, these are not foolproof. Like there are going to be bad doctors who look good on paper. Oh yeah. So there's lots of podcasts about those. Right. <laughs> I think most people just the angels network, and then they have to choose from a and also, short list. I, I think I think something to be said for word of mouth. Mm. You had a good experience with a ortho surgeon, like recommend your friend, yeah. or you know that's Doctor Potter's awesome. Doctor Potter's awesome, right? One twenty. So that, I think that that that's key for them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
well, so let's talk about, um, so, so we, we kind of went over like what it, you know, reviewing a doctor and finding the right decision on that. So let, let's dive a little bit more into kind of what you have to offer, you know, as far as the kind of overlap that you see with, uh, you know, amputees and kind of the situations you're in sure, and, and how you stay educated in that field as well. So, so for those of you who don't know, I'm a plastic surgeon. What is my role in amputee care? So we are the surgeons who typically are doing the soft tissue coverage and revisions of the, of the nubs. Uh, the TMRs, the nerve surgeries. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if there needs to be skin moved around, muscle moved around, taken away, that sort of thing, that's where the plastic surgery comes into play in terms of amputee care. Sometimes, um, you know, skin grafting, uh, you know, flaps moving tissue from one area to another, like we were talking about last time, uh, that's necessary for amputee care as well. Uh, There's a whole um, field of salvage care, like we were talking about. Um, that is also a plastic surgery specialty. We work with orthopedics and t- they, you know, make sure the bone's good. We make sure that the nerves and all the soft tissue coverage is good too. And then work with the tendons and make sure the foot's moving, that sort of thing. That's what plastic surgeons do. And it's also a specialty that some people really put all their weight behind. And some people put their weight behind doing the amputations and doing the, you know, the little touch-up revisions to the nubs. I think sure. I had six doctors yeah. on my program. I had... Uh, a plastic surgeon to handle all the soft tissue. I had three orthopedic doctors mm-hmm. and then I had the anesthesiologist right. and then we had, there was another guy he might've just been another ortho resident, yeah. but like they were all like MDs, like no bullshit, mm. like, or a bone specialist. Or right. Orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Okay. Orthopedic yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. And it was a whole team and that's, they all had their specialty and they all had a piece. Like the orthopedic guy would step in, he'd do his piece. The next orthopedic guy would step in and do his piece. And then the, right. the hardware guy would do his. And then it would always end with them coming in and doing the soft tissue and making it look pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's crazy how laser focused, you know, your surgeons and physicians. Yeah fields get you know what i mean like you, you kind of most people have a tendency to separate the two you're either a surgeon or a physician yeah but it is not the case there is just so many you know small fields yeah well look at um look at your teams right i mean you have medical specialty training you i don't i don't i don't know what you were doing in the rangers but you know you have sappers you've got uh, precision shooters. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a medical guy. I mean, it, so everybody has a specialty within a team, right? I mean, that's how it has to work. I mean, the medical, the medical field is so complex that you have to have specialties and laser focused specialties because there becomes these niche things. Like I'm the best guy in the world that takes care of uh, small toe uh, toenail fungus yeah, or something. You know, like thing. some one little thing, yeah. um, and people develop careers over some tiny little medical. The um, issue that people come from around the world to go see them. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's generalists too. Yeah, but but I think I think there's there's definitely utility for hyper focused uh, specialties because I think you know they know their one thing so well that you want to go to them for if you have that issue. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's 
not not to continue into like the medical community side, but there's kind of a shortage of doctors throughout the U.S. right now, right? right? Yeah, right. and it's going to continue that way. So do you think that we're going to find that a lot of these very, very niche specialties are going to start kind of expanding their focus a little bit more because there's a shortage? Yeah, or do you I think, think that um, there's just going to be limited patient care now? I think, it, I think it's going to be more limited patient care, mm. um, that okay. there's going to be bottlenecks in certain aspects. So yeah. you, know, you have to go see your primary care doctor to get a referral, if, depending on your healthcare plan, yeah. to go see a specialist, that sort of thing. Um, you know, if you have a PPO, you can go see a specialist whenever you want, but, mm. but there will be bottlenecks where you need to go get a CAT scan or you need to go see a cardiologist or something, whatever it may be. And there's just not enough of them. Yeah. And then you got to wait in line, you know, let's say there's a hundred cardiologists in San Antonio. And then in 10 years from now, there's 60. Well, you know, there's still, and this, this city is growing in population yes. as most are. And now you have almost half of the, the previous cardiologists and you're going to wait longer for your appointment. Yeah. That's what's going to happen because not as many people are going into medicine, and that's that's true, and that's not changing. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but yeah. uh, man, sure hope we can get some more doctors out there. Sooner. Yeah, yeah, I God. think um, I think a lot of people are um, realizing uh, would I do it differently? No, but um, I think a lot of people who are coming out of college or you know young people who who are thinking about becoming a doctor are looking at lifestyle mm-hmm. and looking at I don't want to be working these hours. I mean, my hours are better now, but I used to work crazy hours and never be home. Um, And people just don't want to put in that work. And I think with any job, you have to put in the work. Significant amount of schooling and time invested and money invested. Some more than others. Um, The other issue is return of your Mm -hmm. investment. Like you're putting so many hours into school, residency, and money into your school. Yeah. And you're left with student debt if if you're taking out a loan. And the reimbursements aren't that great anymore. Every mm-hmm. year, insurance companies are reimbursing less and less, and, do- and people, prospective doctors, are seeing, you know, or people who want to go to medical school are seeing this and realizing this and saying, "I'm not getting, I'm not going to get paid for all this anymore." Yeah, I'll go to PA school instead. Right. Yeah, Shorter, yeah and you're seeing quicker. a lot of people do that. In fact, that. I think yeah. PA school is actually harder to get into now than in, than medical school. It doesn't surprise me. That's I what mean, I heard. it's yeah, it's a, a quarter of the amount of school. It's it's, it's also a lot the, less the schools out yeah. there. But yes, I mean, it's harder. It's so much more competitive now to get yeah. to PA school than it is to medical school. Just just yeah. think about that. That's a sign of the times. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need more podcasters. That's what we don't need. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott, it's been awesome picking your brain. We're going to have you. We're, we're minus a guest. Yeah, we lost Derek. What happened to him? I think he, he uh, shit his pants. He's not adjustment. here to defend Too himself. Too much stool, uh, you know, stool softener yeah. plus yeah, the Yeah, he, he had a meeting, well. I think, to go to or something no, like that. No, he yeah. shit his pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, he shit himself. Yeah, make sure you let him know. <laughs> no. uh, it's been excellent having you on the show. We're going to have to do, do more of this, I think, yeah. uh, because it's, it's great having your professional opinion. Um, one, one more time. I know everybody's seen you in the past, but where do we find you in your practice at? Uh, I have my own practice, Hill Country Plastic Surgery. Uh, you can look us up on uh, website or uh, Instagram, Hill Country Plastic Surgery. Yeah, follow along with Instagram. Here you got some in, cool posts. Here in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, you do have some awesome posts. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. We need more of those gruesome ones on there. Yeah. Comment uh, below if you guys... You know, Mid-surgery. Are you guys having oh, conversation? We're still talking. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram is limiting that yeah. now, so uh, you know, damn. yeah, I can't really do that as much anymore. Yeah. Oh well, well maybe next time. I don't want them to kick me off. Anyways, yeah, I'll let you close no, this out. Please close oh, out. That's it, everybody. Thanks. This was uh, Dr. Scott Farber and Derek Carver. Give them a check out if uh, if you want. Leave some comments below because we're going to have Dr. Scott back on a little bit more often. Ask some medical questions. We yeah. uh, we really have fun with this, so. 
I'm sure he wouldn't mind the engagements. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't matter how weird they are. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. Get weird with it. Yeah. <laughs> you just open yourself up. Just open Thanks, everybody. Up. Bye. Thank you. Bye.